Welcome to That's the Word, wholesome tales for the whole family. I'm Father James Yamauchi. Today's story, The Wrong Route. The two men were experiencing a traveler's worst nightmare. They had gotten on the wrong route, and they were heading in the exact wrong direction. And there was no way for them to get off. They had set off a short time ago on that beautiful, clear day. They did not notice it at first, but looking out and seeing the scenery change, they knew that they were off course. This ship was not going where they wanted to go. In fact, they had not even wanted to get on a ship at all. Carelessness and inattention led them to being on this voyage with ill prospects. They could not turn around. They could not get off for now. And it looked like when they got off, it might be straight into the sea. For this ship that they had inadvertently boarded was not seaworthy, not in the least. The travelers could tell that only a miracle kept it floating. And who knows how long it would continue to float. The wind kept blowing them into the open sea, away from any hope of rescue or safety. One of the travelers was totally freaked out. He figured they were dead men, and it was only a matter of time before the sea swallowed them up along with this unseaworthy boat. His companions struggled to console him, urging him to trust in God, even singing hymns in an attempt to take his mind off the dire situation. God did pull through. The winds changed. The ship was pushed back towards the shore. Finally, the travelers managed to disembark onto solid ground. Not only that, but they were only a short distance from their final destination. A trip using the route they intended would have taken two or three days, but they had arrived within a day. Miracles like this do happen in the lives of the brave missionaries who set out into uncivilized lands to bring the gospel to far-flung peoples. 
Such was the case with this missionary, who, while traveling with a lay companion to a village, decided to take a shortcut across the ice on foot. The ice broke free and left the travelers floating in the middle of Lake Superior on a ship of ice. The men were certain to drown once the ice finished breaking up. His companion despaired, but this missionary consoled him and kept up his spirits until, by the grace of God, they made it safely to dry land. A missionary who traveled from his native Austria to the wilds of the upper peninsula of Michigan to preach to the Chippewa Indians and became the first to publish a dictionary and grammar on their language. The first Bishop of Marquette, Venerable Frederick Baraga. And for this week, that's the word. This story was suggested by Claire from the Dead Friend Saints podcast. We were on with her talking about Father Miguel Pro a few months ago while off air. I guess that's what you say on podcasts off air, or is it while we're not recording? We talked about different ideas, and she suggested that we should look into Bishop Baraga. And none of us had heard of Bishop Baraga. In fact, as we mentioned in the story, he is venerable. So the church has recognized that he has lived a heroic life and he's on the path toward canonization. But it's worth asking, who exactly is Bishop Frederick Baraga? He was a priest from Austria. Now, it's important to understand that he had a very comfortable existence. There is a lot of priests, apparently, for the people in Austria Austria's a nice place. He was a priest for many years here until one day he heard from a missionary from America who was in Austria trying to recruit priests to come to the United States. He felt the call, and with the permission of his bishop, he went off to Michigan. There are many immigrants in America, many of them Austrian or German. He didn't really want to go to them. He wanted to go to the pagan Indians who had never heard the gospel before and preached to them. And he certainly was a man with many gifts and talents, not only in the supernatural life, but also just in the natural skills. The fact that he was able to help document the language of the people he was serving is pretty incredible. Yes, he's the first one to write a dictionary and a grammar of the Chippewa language, as we mentioned in the story. He also was a bit of a polyglot, though. He knew a bunch of different European languages before he got to America. Isn't that the case with a lot of people in Europe, though? I, I found when I lived over there, it's like, oh, yeah, I know English, French, German, Italian, and then, yeah, I know a little bit of Polish, too. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I speak English well. <laughs> What's also interesting, though, is 
he did preach reading his diary we understand that he preached regularly in these different languages he talks about preaching in chippewa and what was it french or german or english in a given weekend so he was very fluent in these things I guess one thing that motivates you to learn the language is because before you know the language, you actually need a translator with you in the confessional. Canon law provides for that. You can have a translator. People may not realize that or really want that. But obviously, the translator would be bound by the seal. He can go out or she can go out and say, oh, so-and-so confessed this to the priest. One of the things that was very valuable for us was the fact that Bishop Baraga had a diary and he was able to keep different notations of things that happened throughout his ministry as a bishop, which is kind of cool to be able to see his specific challenges for his day and time and just the general things that a bishop does, no matter what time period we were talking about. But I think of the fact, and I always think of this, Bishop Baraga lived in the 1800s, which wasn't that long ago, but society and life was very, very different, just even from a transportation standpoint. I mean, he's going across vast wastelands that a good portion of the year were frozen. True. So back then you'd have walking or a ship that you could carry you around. And in the winter, you just had snowshoes because Lake Superior was frozen or I guess too treacherous to really navigate around. I guess you did have trains back then, but none in the uncivilized lands past the East Coast. I guess you still really don't have trains in the uncivilized lands past the East Coast <laughs> these days. <laughs> Wonderful observation. But would they have dog sleds? I mean, I know up in Alaska and stuff, that's the case, but... They did, some of them. He didn't really travel around too much on them. There was a story where they were traveling and they got to the edge of this lake and on the other side of the frozen lake, the people were looking for them and saw them. And so they sent out dog sleds to pick them up and escort them into town in style. If you enjoy That's the Word, please share the word. You can see the story extras for this story, The Wrong Route, at thunderrock.org, where you can see the 1900 copy of The Life and Labors of Bishop Frederick Braga that we referenced for this story. Thunderrock.org is also where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter and where you can find our social links and our email if you have any feedback or story ideas. Thanks for listening and join us next Wednesday for another wholesome tale for the whole family.